Uh, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Hey, I want you to let you know that you arrived at church on purpose this morning. It's not an accident. And let me explain to you uh, why you did. You had a plan. You had a purpose why you got here. You got up early this morning, enough to get here to church. Well, at least some of us got here early enough to make it on time. Uh, so you may want to work part of the plan a little bit. But you, had a, you got dressed. Uh, you had a, a plan of transportation where you got in your car and you drove here. And, and you had a destination in mind, right? You're going to get at this campus. And you came to campus and... All the spaces we have, you found your parking space. You had a plan to get there. And then you made it from your parking space into our building, and you found the doors. And that's a big accomplishment because most of our building is bricks. So you found the doors to get in, and you came in, and we actually came in the building, and you found your way into the sanctuary, into your seat. And so you guys have lived today on purpose already. Give yourself a round of applause. Yes. Congratulations. And the reason I mentioned that for because we're going to talk today about God's purpose for your life. We're going to talk about his purpose for your life. But for some of you and some of us, you may wonder, what is God's purpose? I don't know maybe what it is. I have some ideas. So, hey, you're in luck today. We're going to talk about what God's purpose is for your life. And, you know, it's hard to miss. You read throughout Scripture everywhere where God's purpose is. It actually begins back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It talks about God's purpose. And a couple more times Deuteronomy, you skip to Joshua. It talks about God's purpose again in your life. And then you get to the New Testament and Matthew and Mark and Luke talks about God's purpose for your life. And also God's purpose is trying to sprinkle throughout Scripture almost in a hundred different places. So God wanted to make it really clear to you and really clear to me what our purpose is. And so this morning I'm going to share with you uh, at least one verse that's kind of unwrap God's purpose for your life. And you, you've probably heard this verse before, it might be familiar to you, but sometimes it's good to kind of look at things afresh again and see what that looks like. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn up to Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 uh, through 39. And we're going to read one of those verses that kind of talks about God's purpose for your life, okay? So Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. Give me a moment to turn there and we're going to jump into our, our time this morning. Before we do that, let me just open this up in prayer. How can I do that? And here we Father, once again... God, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your house and to worship. God, I pray this morning, God, that your spirit moves fresh upon all of us. Lord, I pray that your spirit moves and has its way in our heart and spirit. Lord, God, I pray that we learn today, that we grow today. Father, that we are challenged today from your word to go out and live life on purpose uh, from this day forward, God. So, God, I pray for you to come in and for you to be our teacher this morning, God. We pray for your spirit to... This, to invade this space. God, and whatever distractions we have going on right now, God, I pray against that right now. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come in and just direct our minds and hearts' attention to things of your word. And Father, we lift these things up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Matthew 22, verse 37, 39, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So there you go. There's God's purpose for your life. I'm done. I'm going to take, no, no, there's more to than that, right? Uh, there's more to God's purpose for your life. Because you know what? You can know your purpose, right? But, but not live it out, right? We, we, we know things we should do, but not live it out. And, and one of the things when it comes to living on purpose for the Lord, man, you, it's not good just knowing. You have to live it out. And so when it comes to that, um, we're going to open up God's Word and kind of really begin to develop that. But before you can live on purpose, I think there's a few things you've got to get in line before. So my prayer is this today, that no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, maybe you're just checking Jesus out, uh, maybe you've been a believer for a long time, that you'll find something today 
that's going to encourage you to live on purpose or maybe actually get on board uh, with what Jesus is doing in this world and in your life and to move forward in that relationship with Christ. And so as we kind of jump into our time today about that, we're going to talk about uh, how we can do that. And so I think the very first thing we've got to figure out if we're going to live on purpose for God, we can't start there because there's a few things that happen before that that makes purpose possible in your life. And the very first thing is this. We've got to figure out what our identity is, what our real identity is, and who we are in the Christ. And, and why is your identity so important? It's super important. Because that's really the foundation that you make decisions in your whole entire life on who, what your identity is. I wrote a few things down. Uh, your identity... Uh, it's the way you view the world, right? I, I view the world through what I think I am. Uh, your identity is, uh, determines decisions you make, right? They, I look at the world this way, the decisions I make, and your identity determines the actions you take, right? So my identity, actions I take, and your identity will tell you and tell me what you'll live for and what you'll die for and what you'll fight for, right? And so your identity is so, so important, and it has, it's so powerful in our life. So before we can live on purpose for the Lord, we've got to figure out what is my identity. And identity is super under attack nowadays in our culture, right? And let me just give you a short example uh, of uh, how identity is so powerful in your life. Uh, I, I love the month of October. You know why? It's my birthday, yes. It's my birthday. Well, yes. Not just any day in October. I was born on Halloween, okay, about eight minutes till midnight. Yes, thank you very much. I worked really hard that day to get there. Uh, no, uh, I was born on Halloween, so I loved, I loved the top month of October, and I remember my favorite things October is to go celebrate my birthday with everyone in my neighborhood because it was all about me, right? <laughs> I learned later on that it wasn't about me. Everyone celebrated. <sighs> Who cares? What a bummer. I like the better. No. Um, but I remember, if you know, if you're like me, your, your goal on Halloween was to get as much candy as you possibly could, right? That's what I did. Trunk-or-treating or trick-or-treating, we got as much candy as we can. My friends, we, we got together, we had a plan. We had a, I lived in a neighborhood that was probably three or four miles around, some streets off of it. So we would run from house to house and get every house and get all the candy we could. And so I remember growing up, dressing up in different things, taking on different identities. I loved playing sports growing up. I loved football. So a lot of those Halloweens, I was a football player, and I'd go to door-to-door with my uniform on and you know, since I was a football player, I had to do football player stuff. So I'd tackle people, you know, walking in their costumes. I thought it was hilarious. I'd take my helmet and I'd beat against a tree, you know, because I was a footballer. That's what football players do, right? And so I tuck on that identity. And I did that for a few years. And then I remember one year I dressed up like a, like a superhero. And I can't remember if it was Batman or Superman or, or Spider-Man. But I remember totally changed my perspective that, that particular Halloween because every door I'd go to is very respectful, trunk or treat. How can I help you, ma'am? Thank you very much. I'm here to protect your neighborhood. Any cats need to be saving, dogs need anything. So I was very protective and come on in. This is the house you need to go to. And I was protecting my neighborhood. And so uh, I tuck on those identities. I tuck on those personas. And then I remember one year, it's the last year I did trick or treat. And you'll find out why. And I'm not proud of this, but it really illustrates this story really clearly to you. And so one year, my, my last year, you know, it's the time of last year, I probably shouldn't have trick-or-treated anymore. I was a little too old to do that, but I still kind of look young. You guys did that too, didn't you? And you're kind of too old to do it, but, you know, I kind of still look like I'm 10 years old, so I can do it. And so that year, my friends got together, and we're talking like, oh, gosh, you really don't want to run around the whole neighborhood again. That was exhausting, right? We want to get a lot of candy, but we don't want to run in the neighborhood. How do we get it then? So we decided foolishly, that we'd take on a new identity that, that particular Halloween, and we'd all dress up like bandits, right? And, and we would say, instead of running around the neighborhood and getting candy ourselves, we would steal candy from people. 
I know, it's horrible. I'm, I'm ashamed of it. And I took a lot of years to admit it. And the first time I told the story was this year at summer camp. So second time I ever told the story publicly. Uh, so we thought, we will steal candy this year and we will and we'll get all the candy we need. Okay? <laughs> and so, unfortunately, we did that. We stole little kids' candies. And that's, that was horrible. And I shouldn't have done it. And I'm shameful. I wasn't raised that way. I grew up in the church. I was told not to do that. Yeah, I won't go any further than that, but uh, it, it was a bad experience for me. And, uh, but the reason I tell you that story for, you know why I stole the candy? I took on the identity of someone I wasn't, right? I took on the identity of being someone who robs and steals and cheats. And, and so that's why your identity is so, so important. Because you live out of your identity. And your identity will really direct the course of your life. And that's why it's so important to live on your true identity, not live some false identity that our culture pushes on us all the time. And you know what? Satan knows that your identity is super, super important. That is why it is attacked continuously in our culture, who you are. And, and, you know, a lot of times Satan will tell us these lies in our culture that our identity is based on our ethnicity, right? We are this person because of what race or color we are. That's, that's not your identity. Uh, maybe your social status. Maybe that's your identity, right? Maybe it's not your social, maybe it's your buying power. Maybe that's what your identity is. Or, or maybe uh, it's even maybe your political affiliation, right? That's your identity. And nowadays, more so than ever, man, even our gender is under attack, right? Maybe it's your gender, that's your identity. And let me tell you, all those things are part of who God made you, but let, make no mistake, those are not your identity, those are not your identity. They're just part of who God made you, but they are not your identity. And, and so if we're going to really figure out our purpose for life, we've got to figure out, man, what is my true and genuine identity? And living on purpose, you need to embrace that. And so I have a few things here. Uh, I want to talk about our identity. So we can kind of land on that first, and we'll move forward to what, uh, how we live that out in purpose, okay? And so the very first idea we need to embrace is this. If, if we're going to follow Christ, man, you were created by God. Yeah, each of you, you were created by God, and you were created on purpose, in thoughtfulness, and intention. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You are here because God created you. And Psalms 139, uh, 13 and 14 says this, For you created, my, you created my innermost parts, knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that term, knitted me together in my, your mother's womb, I mean, that shows intentionality, doesn't it? I'm not a knitter, but I've watched people knit before, and it's really tedious work, right? And you, every stitch you do is very intentional with that. God has a plan for you, and, and his plan is intentionally knitting you together. So I love the way David puts that, because that's exactly true. I mean, every part about you, your height, your size, what you think, man, those are all part of God gave you, to give you your identity, you created by him. And I tell my kids all the time, and they give me a hard time, and says, hey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, kids, you know, and, and they kind of, dad, you're being so silly. No, I'm just quoting scripture to you, that's what it is, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, but I want you to know, man, you were created by God. You were created by God, that's part of your identity. Um, and so you need to embrace the idea. The second thing, and this is probably a little more harder, uh, for you to do, for me to do sometimes. You need to embrace this whole idea that you were created for God's purpose, not your purpose. You're created for God's purpose, not your purpose. And that's a little harder to struggle with sometimes. But if you're going to figure out purpose in life, you got to figure that out first and foremost. I'm here 
to serve the Lord. I'm here for his purposes, not my purposes. And uh, Colossians 1.16 says this, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or power or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You're created for God's purpose and not your purpose. So you need to embrace that idea. And the last idea I think you need to embrace about your identity is that you were created to be a child of God. You were created to be a child of God. Before you're anything else, if you prayed a prayer and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I mean, you are now a child of God, and that is pretty awesome, right? And that's where your identity flows from, that identity. And John 1.16 or 112 says this, but all who believe in him who accepted him, he's given the right to become children of God. Super important. And then you go to Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 26, there's any more detail. It says, for all you are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes, there is no longer Jew or, or Gentile or slave or free or male or female. Your identity now is a child of God. And so once again, if you're going to live out your purpose, I mean, you have to land on your true identity. It doesn't matter what culture tells you your identity is. Your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ is a child of God. And once again, identity is super important. It, de- it determines the course of your life. So if you're going to live out on purpose, you got to land on your identity first. And so if you choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ, your identity as a child of God Man, you have to understand that you have a place where you belong. You have a place where you belong. If you're a child of God, you have a place you belong, and you belong in God's kingdom. That's where you belong. Your, your citizenship is in God's kingdom. Now, God's kingdom is involved in this world, but this world is not God's kingdom, right? And so you're a child of God in his kingdom, and Jesus himself said, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. And so realize that you are kingdom citizens, citizens, and your kingdom is not here. So anything that we do in this lifetime that we think is for this world, man, and once again, our purpose is God's purpose, right? We're living for his kingdom and his kingdom purposes. And so you have a place to belong, and that place you belong in is God's kingdom. And it goes even further in that. Not only you are a part of God's kingdom, you also belong in God's family, you belong in God's family. So it's one thing to be part of a big kingdom, right? Oh, but it's totally another thing to be a child of the king, isn't it? And you're a child of the king. And God's kingdom is you live in, but being a child of the king is where you're at. And when you do that and you understand that, you start understanding some basic things about your life, man. As a, as a child of God, man, you have kind of family responsibilities, don't you? We all have responsibilities as a family of God and, and to live as representative of God's kingdom and God's family. That's what we're here to do. Once again, our identity, we're created by God. We're a child of God. We belong in his kingdom. We're his children. And now you start seeing where you start nailing down that purpose for your life. And so being part of God's family means you're a family responsibilities. And we have a verse in 2 Corinthians 5.20. says this, therefore... Says you are ambassadors of Christ, even as though it was God's making his appeal through you. And so our job is to be ambassadors of Christ. And that's, that's tough, isn't it? But that's what we are. I mean, we're ambassadors for Christ. And we're here representing his kingdom and his children. And so as you understand being an ambassador of Christ, you start understanding something else. That 
here's, you understand, how being part of that, that idea is this, man, that not only you're a kingdom, you're a child of God, you belong to his family, um, you're given a community to live that out in. So being a master of Christ is not easy, but God said, hey, I'm not asking you to do it alone. I'm asking you to be part of a community that lives life together. And here's some things I wrote about a community. Man, I encourage and I pray man, that each of us, if you're a part of this church, man, you're involved in a Christ-centered community. Uh, and I pray if this is not your church home and it's not in the place, man, we'd love to have you be part of our community here. Here's what you're going to find in a, a healthy community, uh, in a Christ-centered community. You're going to be in a community that, that loves God, right, that, that, that loves people, uh, that loves to serve, and hope you see a lot of those things around here for us. In God's kingdom and his children and his community, you're in a community that loves to forgive. Right? We're a forgiving community, a community that loves praying for you. Hopefully you see that in our church as well. You're a community that loves God's word. You're in a community that, that shares the gospel. And you're a community that loves to encourage each other when we're down and we can come to church and be filled up, right? And so as a Christ-centered community, you are here for a purpose, and our desires at the Heights, man, it'll be part of that community. We pray, we seek God out, we like sharing the gospel, we serve. And so I think one of the areas that we kind of maybe lose it sometimes when we talk about this identity is that sometimes we belong to communities that don't do that, and those are our major influencers. So I want to encourage you, man, you belong to a community, and if you belong to that community that loves God, loves people, loves to serve, loves the gospel, that loves God's loves God's people and loves to forgive. You're in a community uh, where you belong. And when you embrace your, your kind of your real identity and, and you find a community where you belong, that is where your, your life purpose becomes nourished and it begins to grow. And so you may be asking, you know, what, what does it feel like to live on purpose? What does it look like? And I don't know what everyone's story is, but I can tell you what my story is and what it looked like when I finally figured out that, man, I... I'm a child of God, and I belong in this community. I can tell you some things that are happening in my life, and maybe some of you guys have similar stories of things happen in your life, but I remember very distinctly uh, when I started living on purpose that I was compelled to read God's Word. It wasn't a, a church assignment anymore, or I'm studying for a class, but I was compelled to read God's Word, and when I was compelled to read God's Word, and I started to grow, and, and I started to be transformed. And another thing I started doing is that I was compelled to start sharing the good news of the gospel with my friends. And so if those things are not really maybe perfectly in your life, that, man, you don't compel, feel compelled to uh, read God's Word, you don't feel compelled to share the gospel, uh, and you may start, take a couple steps back, Do, am I in the right place? Am I belonging? Am my identity correct? Because I know for me, those are things that are very true, and I mean, I just, uh, just this past week, uh, I had a friend who, my, actually one of my best friends growing up, we were in college roommates, who passed away uh, last Thursday in my hometown, and I get to go home this Wednesday and, and do his funeral, but here is where this whole idea of living on purpose is so important. 25 years ago, my friend Mike, I got to share with him the good news of the gospel, and he made a decision to follow Christ because I was compelled to share the gospel. And he married a godly woman, has great kids. Um, and now, the only thing that really matters to Mike, man, is that he is in heaven. The only thing that really matters to his family is that he's in heaven. Now, that's because I was living on purpose. 
Because I knew what my identity was. I knew where I belonged. And I was compelled to share the gospel with my friend 25 years ago. And thank God that my friend's in heaven today because of that. Another thing that you'll find out as you start living on purpose, that you're starting to be compelled to use your gifts and abilities in growing God's kingdom. You'll start using your gifts and abilities aren't growing together. That'll be where you want to be, and that happened in my story. When I prayed to receive Christ about 28 years ago, man, I, I wanted to be in the community, my church community. I wanted to serve. I wanted to use my gifts and abilities because I was living on purpose. Now, once again, man, I wasn't like, here's my plan. Here's the things I need to do. Man, these are things I was compelled to do because they flow outside of me. Inside of me, they flew out. And so if you're living on purpose, those things are going to be true, man. You're going to be compelled to read God's word. You're going to be compelled to share the gospel. You're going to be compelled to use your gifts and ability to grow God's kingdom. If you find a place to belong, those things will start happening to you. And when you are living on purpose, your desires will change and, and happen to me as well. And you're, when your desires change, man, your work is cut out for you. And I mean that literally. Your work is cut out for you. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared cut out in advance for us to do. So not only God says, hey, you have a place you belong, the community you belong in, you don't have to do it alone, but I also have works that I've already set up for you to do in advance. I mean, God's done all the work for us, hasn't he? I mean, it's going to show up where I belong, and God's starting using me, and, I, and he has good works lined up for me to do. And so my, it's my prayer today, as we kind of come to an end of our, our time together, is that, hey, I, I figure out my identity, and maybe if you don't know what your identity is, maybe today you'll start understanding what, if, what your identity means is, man, you're a child of God if you pray to receive Jesus Christ, and you have a community that you belong to. And then we start doing those things, and you can start living on purpose, maybe for the first time your whole entire life. And this week, man, I want you to pray that, man, you start embracing, man, your real identity that you find a place where you belong and you serve and that you start living life on purpose. And so I have some encouragement for you from God's word that help you do this. I want to be really practical uh, when we talk or when I speak. I say, man, I want to give you real practical things that you can do, what that looks like in your own home and in your own life. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to see what Paul says, how we can kind of start making this idea of our identity and our belonging and our purpose, how does that look like in our real lives and what are kind of thoughts and attitudes that we need to have if we are going to be able to live this out to the best of our ability. So Romans chapter 12, uh, I'm going to read it for us, okay? So says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's great mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. For by grace given, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of you uh, has one body with many members, and those members do not have all the same functions, so in Christ... We who have many forms, one body, each member belong to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. If a gift of prophecy, let him prophesy to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve 
If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needy of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him give diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do. Bless those who curse you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written in his mind to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On, that, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Dear and Father, I pray that this day, God, that we in here are encouraged, God, from your word to live life on purpose, God. I pray that we nail down our identity this week and don't let the world tell us our identity is something that it is not. God, I pray for everyone here as well today, God, that we find a place that they belong. And Father, I pray they find a community that loves you, loves your people, loves sharing the gospel, that loves forgiving. God, I pray that this church, God, is that type of community. So Father, as we kind of go into our week this week, Lord God, I pray, Father, that we will go into it with maybe a, a new idea, a new zeal, as Paul says it, with living life on purpose. God, we know by living life on purpose, God, that is the only way we're ever going to experience any kind of a life that is significant, that matters, that counts, not only here, but also in eternity. So, Father, I pray that you capture our hearts, Lord, and I pray that we will, this week, be children of God and embrace that idea and live that purpose out. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.